Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. All right, we are on to episode 49 of the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterland and I'm your host. And I'm also the founder of Novus Mindful Life Institute Family Counseling and Recovery in Long Beach, California. Once again, if you or anyone you know is struggling with any of life's challenges, please reach out to us. I know we can help. You can find out more information about us at theaddictedmind.com forward slash help. Okay, today we have a great guest. Ricky Santiago is going to talk about adventure therapy and how he uses that to work with individuals and groups who are struggling in addiction to build self-esteem, to challenge difficult emotions, to really kind of deal with some of life's problems we have right in the in the moment in the here and now and um, I think it's a great episode about how experiential therapy can really help get to some of those underlying issues we struggle with quickly and effectively and in a way that is safe and works so I really enjoyed this episode with Ricky I think you guys will like it as well and um, let's just go ahead and start it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest today is Ricky Santiago, and he is going to talk about adventure therapy and how that helps people with addiction. Ricky, thanks for coming on the show. You want to introduce yourself? It's great to be on, Dwayne, and thank you for having me on. Yes, I have, uh, I'm a licensed mental health counselor here in the state of Florida. I've been a professional therapist for 18 years. And uh, the first 13 years of my career were in the tra- I guess, traditional therapies. Uh, and I, I cut my teeth as a therapist, knocking on uh, people's doors and doing therapy in their homes uh, with children and families in a dependency system. And uh, five years ago, I uh, was given the opportunity to run a substance abuse facility that was adventure-based. And very quickly was told I need to go become an expert in that because I was that's what we did in this facility. And um, I was very fortunate to be able to attend conferences and trainings and really fell in love with that area of experiential approaches and doing uh, u- utilizing adventure as a way to uh, 
to really maximize the benefits of group therapy, which is what we do in, in the substance abuse field. And I don't, I can't picture myself going back to 12 chairs in a room again. I really okay, have. Okay. And before I became an adventure therapist, I wasn't even an outdoorsy person oh, okay. in, my, in my personal life. So I, uh, it's kind of, it's changed me not, not only in my professional life, but in my personal life, um, it, it re-energized me. Awesome. That's great. So let's let's talk a little bit about what adventure therapy is. For anybody out there who's never kind of heard that term, what is actually adventure therapy? I think the, uh, the way that I answer people most of the time when we talk about adventure therapy is that uh, it's an experiential approach, meaning that it is uh, experience-based versus talking about things. It's doing versus talking about something. It utilizes an activities that are designed especially to try to target a particular clinical objective, to focus on a particular theme, to invoke a certain emotion in the client, and then to practice their coping skills in the situation as we are going through the experience, and also to help build metaphors, to give us a metaphor okay. that we can utilize in processing and discussion. I also clarify for folks that it's not always done outdoors. It is generally done outdoors. It can be done in individual, couples, families, groups. It has to do with how do you, with the activity itself and how you designed it. Just kayaking by itself is not a clinical group right. that requires a therapist to process it out and also to do an activity on the kayak that is challenging. So let's let's talk a little bit about just to kind of help people understand because traditional therapy, you go into an office, you sit in a chair. Or traditional group therapy, you go in a group and you kind of talk about it. What you're saying is this is experiential. So can you give a little bit more of a definition of experiential for someone who doesn't kind of get what that means? Can you kind of define that a little bit more? I would find experiential is, is we are. You can either tell me how you cope with things or how you and how or how you handle stress or how you handle anger, or you can show me. And an experiential approach is a way that we put you in a situation where you will demonstrate those emotions and you can you can see it versus being be able to talk about it because many folks don't either can articulate thoughts and feelings or also what they articulate is not really what's honestly the way that they cope with things. What I love about an experiential approach is that you can't hide your true self. If I am stressed or feeling nervous about being on a kayak, I, I can't hide that. I can't pretend that I'm that I'm coping in a different way. But in a therapy setting, I can. I can tell you that I don't get nervous and I, I handle stress perfectly well and I handle fear very well. Or we can put you in a situation where we can kind of make you uncomfortable and see how you actually cope with it. So it's um, to me, it fast tracks the time you would spend in therapy trying to get somebody to, to the point of being vulnerable. So they actually like are actually dealing with the emotions in the moment and that in these experiences they're they're having those emotions and then you get to work with them right then we will process it out that's what the clinical process comes comes in which is how to take it from what what happened in the activity what does it mean what are the metaphors for your 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 life and your clinical goals and then what now what are some new behaviors that we can do instead that will work not only for the activity, because we, we create a parallel process, whatever skills you need to do this challenge are the skills that you would need to handle your treatment goal. It's the same. We create the activity so that you have to use the same skills. And then we, we would talk about the what, what happened, what, so what, and what now. The Cove's experiential 
processing cycle. Okay, so through that experience, you, you kind of process the experience itself that they're having. Can you kind of like run us through like an example maybe of like a situation that what it would look like a client comes in and what happens? I'm gonna we'll use kayaking as an example. Uh, here at, at the, the treatment center I work at, we do a variety of things. Not everything is uh, is physically challenging. Some of it is mentally challenging or emotionally challenging. Doesn't always have to be a physical challenge. But say we're going to use kayaking. There's a, a period of a, a lot of discussion in the beginning about what the theme is going to be. What we're going to be uh, we reframe the experience from a clinical perspective. Today we're going to focus on communication skills. And we're not necessarily telling you what the whole activity is going to be, but we will tell you that we're, we're getting wet today. Go through the safety, anything involving safety and how to properly use the equipment and, and so forth. And once that is done, we head out. May process a little bit in the beginning, may process in the middle, may process throughout. And in most settings, we will do a debriefing at the end, depending on what the activity is. An example of something we would do on kayaks is we may uh, have, uh, have people tie their kayaks together and have one group, one kayak have to tow everybody, and we would we, we call that group burdens. Where we talk about the what did it feel like when you were kayaking by yourself versus when you were responsible to drag all these people along with you, and the parallel process would be who are you dragging along? What burdens are you carrying with you into your recovery? And how do you how, how did it feel to have to carry those things? What are some behaviors you could do? Get can you get rid of these burdens? Why do you hang on to them if they're so burdensome? Right, and we that would lead to the discussion about those things that we're hanging on to. So it's kind of like happens in the moment. These kind of activities kind of frame this theme, and then the client actually has to deal with their emotions in the moment. I mean, like you said earlier, they can't really hide you know, if they're towing somebody along and they're frustrated, they they're feeling overwhelmed, or like I can't tow everybody along because. I'm not good enough or whatever it is or what it, they can they can actually like then articulate it use this as a metaphor right. to kind of process it that's what it sounds like right and a person could actually call out the name each kayak and say what the, what the burden is what are you carrying along with you that kayak right there point at it and tell me what it means and let's do that for every single one and we could process it out at a pretty high level of depth for that group that is carrying it along and then switch places and have everybody experience what it feels like um, to be both the person carrying the burdens and also to be the person dragged along who was not in control. And how did it feel to be on somebody else's pace and not having control? So everybody gets to experience one thing from different perspectives. And we talk about, and the discussion can go in a different hundred, hundred ways. Sometimes the client brings a metaphor that you had no idea that they, that they saw that activity the way you did. I think it's about burdens. We never know. Right. But it sounds like in, in those moments, like the client has that experience and then you're able to kind of lead that along. And where like, you know, traditional therapy where you're maybe just sitting in a group, it can take a lot of work to get people to express uh, emotions or especially emotions in the moment, you know, if that makes sense. And it sounds like this facilitates that in a way that kind of brings the client right to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Of experiencing it. And so there's some incredibly powerful moments I've experienced in things that the client would not have ever told us. We would never have known if we didn't experience that. There was a young lady I remember who, who didn't want to do a blindfolded activity 
And as we had a side conversation about why she was responding in that way to the blindfold, she shared with us about having having endured a trauma that involved a blindfold and it was a pretty severe trauma. She was never going to tell us that. We could have gone the entire time she was in treatment and never have accessed this, this trauma she'd experienced. But the experience of putting on that blindfold took her there. And it's not our good, it's, it, it's not, it's not an exposure therapy necessarily. It's not designed to bring those things out. I'm not, not trying to make people re-experience trauma. We are, uh, we're really trying to waiting to see where the experience takes us and processing it as the things come up and, and what comes up for everybody and what metaphors are coming up for them and being able to grab onto those things and create a metaphor that we can carry into individual session later create a follow-up group to focus on that particular area. And it could probably even bring up that trauma that, I mean, we don't usually want to talk about our trauma because it's painful. So we just kind of keep it over there, but it's probably impacting us in ways that we can't see. And it sounds like this kind of, like for this person, it brought it to the forefront and hopefully she was able to deal with it. And if, if you're in a safe environment, you got a place to possibly process it. Which we, that's where we would that, grab that opportunity to do an individual process that is happening at the same time as the rest of the group is doing the activity with a facilitator. One of us is able to pull them aside and, and do and have a, so they both got to participate. The person who did not do the activity got to get, have something very powerful and the rest of the group continued with their activity and they processed it in the way that was particular to them and, and them as a group. And I love that, that, the, that the boundaries between the therapist and the client are, are different when you're doing experiential things because they, they see you with them on a kayak experiencing the activity as well. So if we're on a ropes course, I'm climbing with you. Right, okay. And you'll see me struggle to get up. I'm the old guy. And I, I do the ropes course so the clients can see that I can see me struggle and how I handle when I can't do things physically that they can do. Right. And then they feel a kinship with me and, and maybe they would tell me about things that they wouldn't have told me before. Maybe they see me as more human and not the, the guy behind it. So you're in it in a way, it sounds like, you know, when you do this, you're on the kayak with them. You can't help but have your own experience going through that, your own emotions that you, right there, they can witness you process right. and you can be open about it and they can have a model of someone who's can, can, they can see it. They can bond with you. Right. And I, I, in my case, because I'm not a, you know, I'm the older of, the, of my staff. I'm the oldest probably of the bunch. And the clients tend to be younger. You know, so I'm, here I am. I'm going to be out there. We're going to do a three-hour kayak trip. And it's going to be tough for all of us. And I'm here with you. And I'm, I'm going to suffer through this just like you. And uh, we're going to do it together. And at the end of that three-hour trip, we all feel like we accomplished something we never thought we could do. Right. A young lady who just recently left our program said, she was, I did things I never thought I could do. I never thought I could get in the water, never mind get on a, on a kayak right. and learn how to paddle and, and, and enjoy myself. Right. I, I just things I never knew I, never knew I could do. Just, just, the, just that in itself, that feeling of self-efficacy of doing something that you didn't think was possible right. and you never knew you had it in you. And that's how it changed that's how I changed my life. I I was I never been on a kayak before five years ago, and I learned right along with the clients. We're doing this, but it sounds like you know for you. I mean, this is one of the beautiful things of working in in the helping profession and in, in the field. Is a lot of times we get to go on these journeys with our clients, even though we're the experts and we're supposed to know everything. We we get to we get to do it with them, and that can be that's so rewarding part of it as well. 
yeah, I stayed away from substance abuse for most of my career because it was an area that I had, had grown up with in my family and having had a, I'm the adult child of an alcoholic. And I, I thought I wasn't going to be able to sympathize and I was going to be too stuck in the, the ACOA role that I could end up. Um, I have learned so much in the last five years. And the, where, where the, I think they've learned, they've taught me just as much as I've, I've taught them and taught me about addiction and taught me about my, about my parent who was, and, and the disease that they suffered through. And it's changed the way that I view my parent and also been changed the way that I have viewed just my work in general. Just altogether, it really has been quite impactful. Right. To be able to really like, uh, yeah, I mean, I imagine you're in this experience with them and you're part of it. And, and, and that, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and I would say the last five years have been this time of uh, self transformation, largely brought on because I'm involved in a, uh, adventure therapy in a field that it challenges me personally. Yeah. So if I, I, that's how we, that's my process. I, and I believe strongly that that's the same. That's what we really are trying to accomplish in the client. And after 30 days of doing some crazy things, like climbing on the top of a ropes course, locking yourself today, we did an escape room. Didn't think you could get out. You know, didn't think you could get out of the room and you did. And and then getting on a kayak on Monday, snorkeling on Friday. Doing on, and it's not a summer camp. We are, we are doing therapy. It is all therapeutic. Right. And I think that's where people, you know, really understanding that the folk, it's not just about having a good time, although that may be part of it. It's about really getting in and exposing the emotional component, processing the emotion, being vulnerable, being part of that therapeutic process. It's yeah, and I, I can understand that. It's it's more than just, hey, we're going on a kayaking trip. We're actually gonna talk about what we're experiencing. As we're on this kayaking trip, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. What you're saying, right? And then sometimes we do activities on the kayaks. I mean, I told you the Birdies is one where, and the and with the at Epic Adventures, one of my partners does a, does where she makes everybody kayak up into a circle, and we all have to hold hands with the kayak next to us, all circled up, and all of us have to stand up on our kayaks and balance each other. And you can only do it if you're using the the supports of the entire group we all got to do it we all have to stand up otherwise none of us are going to be able to stand up and we and if we are leaning back if you can picture all of us holding hands and and leaning on each other in a circle we can support ourselves and not fall and um, we don't nobody ever thinks they can do it and then they do by by leaning on each other and and supporting each other that we could process what what that felt like what what when we thought it was going to be like and how we did it as a how how did we manage to do it and process it out as a metaphor for, okay, so then how do you apply that to other things that are in your life that are hard to do that you think you can't do, like get, like really live a life of in recovery? Right. And I, I would imagine that like the, here they are, I think a lot of people who struggle with addiction come in with trauma for one thing, but also just when you've lived your life in addiction, you've gone against your own values, you don't feel good about yourself, you don't feel like you can accomplish a lot of things. And then here you are doing things that you didn't think were possible. Right. And that I, I would imagine that like that builds like self-esteem and that builds like confidence and kind of creates a new paradigm for them. Yeah, it's hard for them to get away with saying to us in therapy, "Well, I can't do it." No, well, I you said you couldn't climb to the top of the rose course, but I saw you do it, so I, I know you can do things that you don't think you can do. Right. So let's, right, let's, you're directly <laughs> challenging that, and like, <laughs> so come on, we're going to keep going. Let's access that thing that made you climb that rose course. Let's access that. Let's apply that. 
whatever it is in your in your resources that you that got you to climb, let's access that and apply that to to here because you're stronger than you think you are. Right. Um, and you're right. more capable than you think you are. Right. We've had many folks that have come that are older that have are not physically fit, and they walk away feeling, oh, I, I got on a kayak today. I'm 72 years old, and I. I kayaked for an hour. That in and of itself changes, transforms their self-concept. If all they walked away with is, oh, that was fun, and, and then we did not do our jobs as a therapist. My job is to make sure that they, that it, it ties back to the treatment plan and that it is related to their goals. Because they're always going to ask, well, tell me how this is going to help me stay sober. So for all of our activities, we always have to be able to answer, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how it's going to help you stay sober. That's, that's the job of the therapist is to guide the learning into how is this going to help me with my problem. Right. So it's very guided. It's not just about having fun. I mean, it, it's it's focused. Can you share some of your like, fa- like you talked a lot about kayaking, but can you share some of your other like favorite things that you do that kind of help clients in their recovery and kind of process this? And Yeah, we do. Um, my favorite is anything involving the ocean. Um, here in South Florida, we have the opportunity to do things on the water. And in the water, so snorkeling is my favorite activity. That one now is hard to you can't process while you're doing it. So it's one that you have to do the experience of snorkeling and then you process it after because we can't talk while we're doing it. But we give them a theme of what we want them to do, uh, and, and it's a great opportunity to practice mindfulness. Right. Yeah. Because you, all you're hearing is your breathing and you're floating and you're seeing fish and watching the way that they interact with each other and. We have sometimes have them practice five minutes of stillness where you're just floating, and um, and, and doing it as a mindfulness exercise. So and and I also believe very strongly with snorkeling that with the, the the powerful effect of just being in the water. There's a book called the Blue the Blue Mind that talks all about the uh, the the psychological and physical effects of being near water or in water. And I find that for, for many folks, it, it's a, being connected to the ocean and being in the ocean. It's like a spiritual it's a spiritual thing for them. It is for me because I grew up on an island, but I find that so many of our clients can't articulate it the way that I just articulated to you. But I, I know that it's 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 being in the water, it's being in the in the uh, in the in the in the sea. And it's all you know. There's seventy percent of us is water. Seventy percent of the ocean is water. And here we are, kind of right connecting, right, and seeing the clients have that experience. And a lot of them, you know, when they don't get to have those kind of spiritual experience experience to take the time and connect with nature or or connect with those things that that spiritual side of recovery if that makes sense so yeah i could totally see why that would be powerful for a lot of a lot of clients snorkeling is a fancy one you know we're involved a lot of equipment but we do an adventure you know we do a group that uh, we call the helium stick which is really a large tent pole we call the helium and uh it, uh, everybody has to uh, put two fingers on this or get on either side of this pole and put two fingers underneath it. You must stay in contact with the pole. And as a group, all we have to do is while we all have our two fingers on this, we can't grip the stick. We can only just put our fingers on underneath it. While all of us are doing that, we have to put the, hit the stick on the ground. That's all we have to do. Lower it as a group. Now, because all of us are trying to maintain contact with it, it's called the helium stick because it immediately starts to, to move up on its own. And the clients get very frustrated because it is frustrating because you're depending on I, no One person cannot make this thing calm down. All of us are going to have to do it. And one group is blaming the, side, the other side of the stick. And it's really everybody that's contributing to the problem. And uh, they might start some arguing back and forth, let that, let that kind of go on for a little bit. And then we 
problem solve it. We'll stop. Okay, what are we doing wrong? What can we do differently? Let's stuck this out. And eventually they figure out how to drop it after the arguing happens. And then we can do it again two or three times and see how much faster we can do it. And even and find just even uh, just a tent pole and properly and being creative and knowing how to what the what the metaphor is to tent pole to other people, to an adventure therapist, it's a tent pole is all kinds of things. We can Right, right. And I'm a big believer in the here and now and experiential therapy as being very powerful because you're you're right there in the moment. There's no there's no hiding, there's no it's it's happening right there in front of you. You're dealing with your emotions right in that moment and you you can't hide from that. And it sounds like a lot of this adventure therapy kind of brings that to the surface in a very fast way. Yeah, and for us, I mean, the typical length of stay for any treatment center is a maybe 60 days you can get. Yeah. So you have four individual therapy sessions, five if you're if you're lucky. And uh, my one of my college professors, I remember him saying to us once, and I never understood it until I went into the field that during the first three or four sessions with a client, they're lying to you. And he was overstating it, but basically saying that it takes a while to get a person in therapy to really trust you enough to really reveal themselves and be vulnerable. Sure, yeah. So it occurs to me that, okay, well, so the, if that's the case, if we're doing a traditional therapy approach and we get three or four sessions, you know, we get four or five sessions with them, how do we ever reach the point in those individual sessions where we're getting into the really good stuff where we need to be? Sometimes clients show up and they are ready to work and and you get there in session one. Yeah, as you know, that's not the norm. It takes a while. That's not the norm, and, yeah. And, and I, yeah. I understand people's... It's it's a natural tendency to not want to share that vul- and be vulnerable like that, um, and in being in a set, being in treatment is a vulnerable place to be. It's not, but nobody wants to be here. I understand it, but we by trying to make the experience more experiential versus asking you to articulate into words this very complex thing you're feeling right now. Well, let's just go out and, and you just show me. Let's do this. Let's do something. And um, adult learning theory also says that you remember ninety percent of what you say and do if you remember that from school. Right. So. If that's the case, then we should be doing more things in therapy. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. So as we kind of come to the end here, Ricky, what do you want to tell anybody out there? What would the person who's struggling, what would you want to say, say to them? What would you want to tell them? What's the message you'd want to give them? Before anything else, I want to say that, you know, the recovery is possible. Everybody can experience it. And, um, and I, I have seen some really incredible lives change that it's such a, I feel so fortunate that I work my work every day not only impacts the lives of the people that are here and, and my, are my are my patients, my identified patients, but I, it impacts their families and their kids and their grandkids. I mean, we can help a person step into recovery. I I feel like we've we've changed the DNA of that that entire family, and that's that's really powerful. That I've worked that kind of resonates when it works and when people show up ready to work. You know, we can make amazing things happen when people show up motivated and ready to work. Yeah. Can't do it without them, though. We need them to show up and be ready to do that work. And and um, so, but but I, I've seen recovery happen. I've, I've seen people's lives be changed. And just want to encourage everybody that that it's it's possible, and you can you do you do have to keep coming back. Right, keep coming. Don't no matter what. Don't give up. It is possible. That's such a hopeful message. And I've ex- I've experienced that same thing to see people make incredible changes, and it and it's so rewarding to be 
a part of that and um, meaningful to be able to give back in that way. So how can people find out more information about you? If they want to know more about adventure therapy, how can they find you? They can, uh, well, the, the treatment center that I am clinical director of is Aon Recovery in Lantana, Florida. That is uh, uh, aonrecovery.com. If you're needing treatment and you want to uh, try an adventure-based program, I encourage you to take a look at that website. I also uh, co-own a business called Epic Adventures Therapy, where we do consulting with treatment centers that want to do adventure therapy and want to integrate that into their their programs. We would we do consulting and staff training and show you all of the technique and uh, and theory, as well as uh, safety considerations and risk management and policy things you're going to need to have in place. So for any any uh, providers out there that want to try their hand at adventure therapy, it, it would be Epic Adventures Therapy. Uh, Awesome. And I'll link all that into the show notes as well. And any other information that you have, I'll I'll put on there so people can find it on the website and get a hold of you. Ricky, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your hope and wisdom. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. The show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 49. And um, I definitely want to go down to Florida and do some kayaking with Ricky. It sounds awesome and it sounds like a great adventure. So um, it was great having him on as a guest and I really enjoyed it. So once again, you can check out the show notes there. And also, if you're enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes. That really does help support the addicted mind and it gets it out to many more people. So if you're enjoying it, please do that. And until uh, next week, have a wonderful day. Madeline and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety and lots of how-to for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.